Yes, more apparatus, please, nurse. The EEG, the BP monitor, and the AVV. Yes, certainly, And uh, get the machine that goes bing! Ah, the machine that goes bing. Uh, according to a joint study by researchers at McMaster University in Hamilton and Vanderbilt University in Nashville, replacing that machine that goes bing with musical ones may just improve public health and outcomes. Here to talk about it, Dr. Schlesinger, an associate professor of anesthesiology at Vanderbilt University in Texas, joins the Kelly Cotrera Show. Thank you so much for your time. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. I'm sure you're familiar with the Monty Python sketch that we've referenced there off the hop. Um, is that what made you look into this line of study? Because believe it or not, we have had other professors on that have based their study on Monty Python sketches. Well, you know, it's funny you use that one because I actually lead off all of my presentations with that clip. And it's interesting how even back then through today, we still just have machines that go bing. When you think of High consequence industries, meaning when you go to work, if I make a mistake, someone could die. This is the best we have. Yeah, that is uh, kind of strange that we haven't evolved. Why haven't we? I think it's because in medicine, we just get used to accepting it as the cost of doing business, or it's not perceived that this is actually harming patients or potentially leading to bad patient outcomes, despite research to the contrary. And the split between academic medicine and when we publish, but getting it into industry and evolving and actually making changes, there just seems to be a disconnect. So what made you and your colleagues, uh, you know, take a pause and say, wait a minute, let's look into these machines that go bing. Is this something that we should adjust? Well, selfishly, you know, I'm an ICU doctor. So I work in this environment and I go home at night and have headaches or hear dinging in my ears thinking of my patients who can't sleep, they're woken up, they get ICU delirium, they get long-term cognitive impairment. And I think this was brought to light really with COVID, the idea of long COVID. Think of that picture of the nurse on the cover of Time Magazine with the deep grooves of the N95, just looking completely burnt out and demoralized. But even taking a step back from that, my background is in music. I'm actually a jazz pianist. I have my undergraduate degrees in jazz piano performance. So when we think of the soundscape and alarmscape, this is the environment I'm subjected to, my patients are subjected to, but Dr. Schutz being one of the world-renowned music researchers and music perception, cognition, and psychology, it seemed like, why don't we address this? It's modifiable. You know, I can't change a patient's age. I can't change their sex. I can't change their comorbid conditions, but we can address this part of our working environment. Yeah, Dr. Schutz said um, you started by focusing on the uh, sound's shape. I want to talk about that for a second, if I could, with you, because you said you're a musician. I'm also a voice actor, and very often the direction is, yeah, I want you to put some uh, shape into how you say professor. Um, I understand what that means. Can you explain that for the audience? Well, think of the emergency broadcast system when you hear that this is just a test on TV or radio, and the sound of that, the very artificial, synthetic grating, annoying sound. But that's not a natural sound. Think of sounds in nature, such as wine glasses clinking, the way we are exposed to music, either actively or passively our entire lives. Alarms don't have to be annoying. They just have to be perceived and hopefully communicate information. So the idea that they have to be loud and annoying and mostly false is really such a false thought and a poor thought of alarm management. It's not that way in aviation or nuclear power. So we have this and it's 
just this cacophony of sound. When I walk in the ICU and there's 24 beds and alarms are coming from a majority of the beds, I can't localize what's wrong. And because we don't trust the alarms and we get annoyed by them, we have a mistrust or poor response to them. So think of the perception of care too. If you're the patient and we seem to have a lackadaisical or burnt out attitude towards them. I would imagine as well, they can be kind of alarming to a patient. What is that being? What does that mean? And that's going to affect your recovery as well. You're going to be stressed out. Oh, absolutely. To the patient, these alarms are real alarms all of the time, but they're actually not. And so when we don't respond that way to them, do we seem to care for them? They can't sleep. They get that stress response, the pain. Sleep is so important. And we just really, the hospital is a terrible place to go. Right. Perception's reality. And that really does feed into that. So for your study where you were trying to figure out if you could, you know, get better health and outcomes and recovery rates uh, by changing the sounds of the machines, did you take uh, regular machines in the hospital, open them up and retrofit them so that they played music? How did it work? So we did this in a lab-based setting so we could really control the variables in the environment. And in previous work, I've shown in my lab that alarms can be softer than background noise. And we published that in an acoustics journal. And then working with Dr. Schutz, who's made his career on many things, but the shape of the sound or the amplitude envelope, we joined forces to say, okay, we know that alarms can be softer than background noise. We've shown Dr. Schutz and I in previous publications that there's an annoyance to the way the alarms sound now. So we combine those two ideas. Can they be softer? Can they have this different shape? And can they also not impact speech perception? Because we don't want to just go changing things without making sure that other aspects of the environment are okay. So the next step is now thinking about implementation. Alarms are governed by an international standard and our work is now cited in that standard. And so our hope is that industry will realize that the standards is now based on best practice and best evidence, and that they won't just think towards themselves from an insular engineering standpoint, but from an outward patient-facing standpoint. But with all of the money that's wrapped up in the healthcare system, how long can you do you uh, expect that this could take to become a reality? Because that's a big well, change. It, yeah, it, it's a huge thing. And, and finally, you have companies starting to get it. And so I'm proud to report that I'm now doing some consulting work with Philips. And Philips is really dedicated to thinking towards creative processes in alarm management and alarm design, getting a group together on the medical advisory board, which includes actual clinicians and music researchers and music composers and human factors engineers, and that is what it's going to take. And so finally, now, at least I can only speak for, for Philips, is focusing on that to actually make changes so we don't have this divide between academic publishing and industry. Well, listen, they make a pretty powerful toothbrush. I swear by it myself. So uh, let's hope they, they uh, take your study and your results and turn it into something that we can all rest easy uh, too, if we find ourselves in a recovery room in a hospital. Thank you so much, Dr. Schlesinger. It's been fascinating talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And always happy to do great work and really provide great care for patients. So thank you Excellent. so much. Cheers. Dr. Schlesinger is an associate professor of anesthesiology at Vanderbilt University. This is The Kelly Cotrera Show.